What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibbs. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. Before we get any further into today's episode, I would like you to go over to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast and leave us a rating and review. It helps the show to grow up on the charts as well as continue to tell the SID story. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Infocast and sign up for our newsletter at sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. Now, let's get into today's conversation. First episode of The New Place, I could finally, you know, talk freely and be able to uh, have conversations without worrying about uh, the walls being really thin from my last place and being and other people being able to hear me and uh, people actually uh, uh, pounding on their walls or on the floor or anything like that telling me to keep it down just to talk to somebody and record an episode. Yes, that really did happen once. So super happy to be here. Uh, for those that don't know, I'm going to kind of briefly go over what, what's been going on, uh, why you haven't heard from me so much in the, in the last month or so. Um, kind of had a roller coaster getting up here. For those of you that don't know, uh, I've been hired as the assistant sports information director at Madonna University up here in Livonia, Michigan. I live in Novi, Michigan, which is about 20 minutes away. I'm still about 40, 45 minutes northwest of Detroit. Uh, I really enjoy it here. Uh, if anybody's close to the area, I mean, hit me up. Uh, I live kind of near Wald Lake. Uh, not really kind of, uh, it's about a mile down the road. Uh, I go on runs down around this huge lake that that uh, that I really do enjoy. Um, so that happened, but I, it was it was quite the roller coaster getting here. Uh, first off, being you know offered the job, which was really awesome feeling. Uh, it was awesome to to just be a part of it. Um, what was going on when I released the last episode? However, uh, I think that was July fifteenth, so over a month ago of of doing this doing an episode um that day physically that day I got told that I couldn't be hired uh which was really difficult and then later maybe a couple weeks later which firstly it it derails you obviously um because Morgan and I had gotten this apartment uh here in Novi and uh we had already put in all our money into this and everything so um to back out of it uh, just didn't seem right. And in my heart, I was gonna, I was gonna come up here regardless. So, um, that's the plan was to come up here and I was going to just get a job anywhere like a UPS or, or something like that. Uh, just to make it, make it through until the university told me that it was okay to hire me. Um, which as it was being put to me, uh, would have been, uh, I, I don't know, possibly, uh, the day I actually started, which I'll get to here in a minute, and or it could have been October, or it could have been January, or it could have been next May. So um, it was kind of it was really really tough. And then as we kind of went through it, um, we moved up here uh, the last week of July. It was a awesome move, super heavy and everything. Uh, of course, naturally, I'm paying somebody next time to move my stuff. But then we were out to eat lunch, and uh, Zach Shore, who is my boss, uh, called me and said, that, hey, we're good to go. We'll see you Monday. And this was a, I think it was like a, a Saturday or a Friday or something like that. And I was like, heck yeah. So finally, uh, finally, 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 after so much, uh, we were able to get here. And uh, a lot of people I, I know, um, they're like, oh, going in the office, you know, I wish we could just work from home and a lot. Well, um when you go through some, th- some of the things that, that people are going through, and uh, we will talk about this during this episode, is if you've seen the Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, the Woj, if you will, uh, Twitter parody of sport creatives, there is a uh, growing list of creatives who have not been hired yet. Um, to, to know exactly what they are going through um, right now, I, I understand the uncertainty. I understand the pain. So if any of us out there uh, could take a chance, just look over the list and reach out to some of those, some of those people. Um, you don't have to give them work. I mean, you just, for me at least, just give me someone to talk to uh, about everything and just to tell them how much it sucks. Uh, 
uh, goes a long way. So I, I encourage that. Well, that's kind of where we're at now. Um, a couple of people in my office have since tested positive for COVID. So David got tested and David can now not go back into the office. So I'm here um, doing some interviews, doing some other things, which I have to reply to somebody uh, here after this. But um, we're good. We got a lot to do. Uh, we're back on our mission, back ready to go. So today we have uh, Kara Cooper from the Kansas University Jayhawks. Uh, we will talk a, about a variety of different things today. And if, if one thing you won't take from this episode is just to keep pushing and keep moving forward, keep one step at a time. We'll talk obviously about what's going on with these uh, unemployed uh, people in sport. We'll uh, also talk about um, reaching out, doing some different things uh, for free, investing yourself, making sure that you are taking care of yourself in the long run, uh, fear and resistance and how that is, uh, affecting your, your career path and maybe some choices, keeping you from doing the life and the things that you want to do. Um, and we'll also talk about social justice issues and how you can better serve your university with diversity and inclusion, uh, all right here on episode 161 of SID cast. Yeah, um, I've probably played sports ever since I can remember. Um, I started off with, actually, I don't know if people will consider this a sport, but I started off in dance. So when I was little, I did like the the pageant dance and uh, doing like the little sequence and being in front of people and things like that. So learning like the tap dance and just your uh, basic uh, skills in that. And then I started to like, go into um into like softball or t-ball I guess for little kids um play with the guys or the little boys uh and then it kind of grew from there uh when me and my mom and my stepdad moved to uh Georgia I got into basketball and soccer and uh my mom and my stepdad would always say uh the moment that we knew you'd be a basketball player is when uh in one of my games I stole the ball and just like just went up for a layup and I was like the shortest kid I was like the runt of the group so no one thought Uh I could play so it was just really funny how like like I did all that and um then I just started doing basketball a lot then track and field and then as I got older I started to focus a little bit more on basketball um that's probably like third not third grade fourth fifth grade is I started to play AAU basketball and then it kind of went on from there and um played basketball in college uh so what was it like kind of I, I you said you played with the boys for softball I mean what was their kind of reaction like I can only imagine <laughs> if I can remember back then uh <laughs> I don't know I just like it's interesting because I, I once saw a photo of me and I'm literally one of two girls like in the team photo <laughs> Um, but I would hope that they thought it was fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't I'm know, sure they didn't weird. care. Yeah, I don't think they cared. You know, cared. like, they're like just, they're like just, in, they don't care. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they, like, even when you play soccer when you're a little, like, you, they mix, like, the co-ed stuff. And when mm-hmm. I was a kid, I was like, I do not care at all. I'm just mm-hmm. out here having a blast. And I, I think now is when people kind of, they start getting like, oh, you can't have so-and-so play football. You can't have her playing baseball as a different game. Like, like whatever, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure like you're, this girl could beat your son, little Timmy, like any, any day of the week. Like, yeah. Know. No, I That's love pretty... it. It's just, it's fun. It was like mm-hmm. pre-K. So like they didn't care. And then as, and how I learned how to play basketball is with the guys. Like, it's just me going out to play basketball like the blacktop or anything like that and then mm-hmm. learning how to play that sport with a guy's basketball things like that and just watching men's basketball um and learning from like my cousins and uh my stepdad and them teaching me the sport and that's how I fell in love with it uh and then it wasn't until I start like they start to separate gender wise, like 
at your community mm-hmm. community sports leagues. So when I started mm-hmm. playing at the local community league, then that's where I was like, oh, so I have to play with girls. <laughs> so <laughs> things like that. And then it also didn't matter. But um, even now, like when I play pickup, you don't really find a lot of pickup games with women. You find it with guys and mm-hmm. it's fun. I love it. Um, either way, I'm, I'm a fan playing with everyone. So <laughs> that's fair. Um, talk about being a, a student athlete in, in college. I mean, were you introduced to sports information at all or at what point were you, um, talk about that experience a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think like, cause I think you asked this in the last question, like, did I ever thought I was going to work in sport? And mm. I didn't think that that was an actual job, <laughs> to be honest. Um, uh-huh. And it wasn't until I got into college um, and I started doing work study. So I, I went to a division three school. So um, a lot of it was, you know, that traditional being a student and an athlete in the D3 level where you uh, you don't have the commitments as a division one or even a division two. So I had to do work study and, uh, my work study was in the athletic department. And then we also did community service and my community service was also in the athletic department. So that's where I kind of got the idea of working in sports and it wasn't necessarily sports information. I got introduced first. Um, it was really game operation. So my, uh, first job, well, first job within the community service route was uh, helping out at the volleyball matches um, and being that person that rolls the ball down the uh, side of the court oh, yeah. to make sure yeah. and, and wipe the ball or like different things with um, game operations where I helped set up the, the court before the game, tear it down. And that was my community service. And then as a job, I worked in the laundry room. So I was a laundry coordinator for a year. Um, and that's how I got introduced into that. And I kind of worked my way up in that play department and how I got introduced into, uh, so or sports information was, um, while I was working in game operations. So our sports information, um, person, I literally helped out with doing some of those like statting or, uh, playing the music at the softball games. They're, they're, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> their walk-up music and things like that so that's how I kind of got introduced it was a it was a soft introduction um but I kind of learned the ins and outs of an athletic department and that's the beauty of working at division three is that you get to see how everyone in that department does everything and you get to kind of put your hand in everything yeah I think it a lot of people like to pigeonhole pigeonhole themselves into one aspect of an athletic department, especially when they're in in college or something like that. And I think that, like you said, to being at a Division three to where you get to do a little bit of everything, like um, you get to do the laundry, you get to to uh, run the music, you get to do things like that. And I think that gives you kind of like a diverse skill set a little mm-hmm. bit more than what you would probably get at a at a uh, a Division one. Not to knock on any division ones, but I, I, I'm sure there are some out there that are really, there is a flow, there is a hierarchy, there is a system in place to where um, one person probably, maybe even a student, an undergrad student probably can't do too many things. Uh, I met somebody working at a, a Big Ten university, this was years ago, gosh, how old am I now? So this was probably six, five, six years ago. Um, her entire internship for the athletic department at this university was the uh handing of the microphone after the end of the uh the end of the football games so the press conferences that was her whole entire thing (laughs) and i was like i I am sitting here like i went to division two school in college and i I was like i'm sitting here like i'm literally like doing everything and and this whole girl this girl's just getting all this credit and stuff and she's probably going to get a nice shiny resume off of it mm-hmm. just because of where she works, but it wasn't like the, yeah. the quality of work. So, um, yeah, I, I think having that diverse skill set, even if it's just doing little things like, oh, yeah. like you said, laundry, trash pickup. I mean, heck, SIDs, if you see trash, just put it in the trash bin. I mean, things like that can go a long way. Oh, definitely. And I credit that, like, 
like I did all that as a student athlete. Like I, mm-hmm. I would do a, a full load of like 18 hours each semester and then having to play basketball, which is basically a year round sport. And then uh, work doing work study with actually my first first job as a work study was facilities within the whole entire campus. And then this, my second year is when I got into uh, doing the laundry coordinate, coordinator and then working my way up to like a facilities person, supervisor that helps supervise the athletic um, facilities and then kind of working my way up to being a, mar- a marketing intern my final year. So I got to kind of learn that aspect of it. And I had a, a passion in graphic design and video. And I felt like that was a good way to kind of help that. Um, and even one year I was injured and I helped out with uh, just being a, basically a manager for the basketball mm-hmm. team for my team. So just learning that. And then it was interesting and I loved it. And I felt like I got, I think people don't understand like when you, when you, when you play at a division three school and you, you get all of this um, experience at everything. So I got to experience all of college. Like, yes, I played sports. Yes. I travel. I did that, but I was, I, I was also given the opportunity to be on student government, like getting mm-hmm. to do those things, not just being on SAC, but also impact and change um, as a whole on uh, the student government side and being able to do that. So I've always enjoyed my uh, experience at my small school, but that's helped me to where I'm at, where I'm at now. Cause I feel like I have this well-rounded experience um, in college. And like you said, not to knock on anyone else, but that mm-hmm. was just my experience and I loved it. And I, and I got to do all that while being a student athlete. So I thought that was pretty cool. How's your diverse skill set working uh, with all those different all those different departments, all those different duties, all those different roles, how does that translate to where you are now and maybe even um, helping some relationships or maybe even just helping other SIDs in your department as a, uh, as a whole? Yeah, I think it just, it gives me this like overarching framework of how the athletic department functions with the rest of the school. Um, Mm. Especially trying to connect that with being a student and also being a part of staff. It's just um, learning how to work with outside entities, I guess, um, where we're not just alone out on the athletic side Um, with me being on SAC as well as being on uh, student body government and how how does that work together? Um, And just being able to work with both um, groups, I think has helped me. And it help, has helped me as an SID is just being able to to adapt in each space. Um, I think I can understand where everyone's coming from, their mindset, having that, um, being able to not be afraid to talk to other people outside of athletics, if that makes any sense. Um, uh, being able to go to a professor and talk to them, uh, maybe if they're in communications in that major or in that department, being able to go talk to them and ask them for their advice and kind of maybe take some unorthodox uh, skill set or view or way of life in that realm and put it into athletics. Um, I think that's helped me do that. But just being able to be the bridge between those two. I like it. Like it a lot. Um, let's talk, let's go back to some of your, 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 your path here for a little bit. Um, so it was time to leave your school. I mean, it was time to graduate and everything. I mean, what was, what was it like kind of setting yourself up, teeing yourself up? Was the goal sports info? How did this kind of evolution come about for you? Um, sports information was not in my foresight when I graduated. <laughs> uh, I was looking for jobs in marketing. I was looking for for job well yeah I was looking for jobs in marketing because I thought that's what I wanted to do that's that I thought that's where the skill sets that I had and learned um in college was going to take me and I was like oh I can put marketing in sports because like I said earlier my final job as a student was a marketing intern so I mm-hmm. that's what I was looking for internships for marketing and I could not find 
a job doing that at all. And um, I think my job outside of that was going to work at a summer camp for sports. And that's how I got in there. And I got lucky because my basketball coach called me and was like, hey, I'm looking for an assistant coach. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that would be great. I would love to do that. Um, I don't know a thing about coaching, but I would love to like learn. And this is at a college level, right? <laughs> She's mm-hmm. like, yeah, duh. Like, so I was like, yeah, I definitely want to do that. That was like my foot in the door type of thing to go to my alma mater and be an assistant coach for three seasons there. And um, while I was coaching there, and this is still at the D3 school, you have a secondary job. So I wasn't only just coaching, I was also doing game operations. So I did game ops for um, all the spring sports um, for softball, baseball, um, whenever there's a a cross country meet or a tennis match or anything like that. Um, So that's how I got into that. And uh, at the time, our sports information director, um, he was over all of game ops. So that was his, with sports communi- uh, communication and game ops, that was both of his um, responsibilities. So that's how I kind of got introduced into sports information. Um, even through that, I still wasn't looking at that. I was still trying to go for the marketing or a game ops positions. And then um, I was able to do a um, internship with the NCAA um, called uh, Women and Min- uh, Ethnic Minority Internship. And they place us in a, um, well, they don't place us. We interview for a particular job at different D3 schools. And the money comes hmm. from that in- NCAA internship. And that's where I got into sports information uh, is doing that. Because that's where I got a little bit more experience in running the sport. And I was like, oh, this could this could work. So I started doing that and I kind of worked my way up there to here at KU. Uh, it is, see, I've never done this before. Is the marketing uh, job field a little bit more competitive? Do you think? Maybe I think so. Um, yeah. At the time, I don't know. I just think like at the time it could have been just because of where I was coming from a small, really small school in Georgia, division three, Maybe yeah. the jobs that I were applying uh, was applying for were a little bit out of my reach, um, and which is unfortunate that it goes that way. But I didn't I didn't really know many people in the business, so I think it was just that and just my background, and I couldn't just you know fall back on, oh you played basketball at this small Division three school, yeah we'll hire you type of thing, yeah. and that's how I thought it was. But I do think some of those internships are competitive especially right now i think they definitely are competitive yes <laughs> i don't know back yeah. then but now it is <laughs> yeah i will tell you from a guy that just went through um just went through the hiring process for mm-hmm. for a couple of months during a pandemic it is very tough right now and i feel yeah I, I get very sad i don't know if you've seen the uh the uh the list on twitter i i think Somebody did like a parody Woj account, but for sport creatives. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's like a list. There's a long, long list of people there. And I'm sure that there are still people out there who have no idea what I'm talking about and don't have their name on that list and are in the same position. So, um, yes, so, yeah. no, exactly, exactly what you're talking about, where you're coming from. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, you got placed at this at this new place. I mean, tell us a little bit about that. Where was it at? I mean, what were you said you started to enjoy it a little bit. Uh, what was the adjustment for you? Um, so at first, so my first job was at Covenant College. That was my uh, alma mater. And then the NCAA internship, I was at Houghton College. is in a small school in Houghton, New York, near Rochester, uh, New York, Buffalo area. Um, and there I worked as, my title was assistant to the athletic director and track and field cross country meet manager. And basically I did a whole, whole wealth of things and uh, I helped out with compliance I helped out with communications I helped out with diversity inclusion work and I helped out with um just meet management for the track and field and cross country Mm -hmm. 
and probably a little bit more of some more uh, game ops. So anytime they needed help with a lacrosse match and game ops or um, soccer or anything like that. So I actually worked with all the athletic directors there. So the assistant athletic director for uh, communications and compliance, I worked with him a lot. And that was where my main focus was because he did communication and I worked with him a lot. And the assistant athletic director for uh, um, uh, athletic training, she did a lot of game ops as well. Um, and then the athletic director, he did a lot with the inclusion, diversity inclusion. And um, I helped him, helped him out with that. Um, so I kind of did a lot at that school. And yeah. anyone out there <laughs> that's listening, if you are thinking about trying to find an internship that NCAA uh, minority uh, ethnic minority and women internship is great because you you get a chance it's a two-year internship at different schools um, and you're in a cohort of people and you get to be a part of this group of people where you get to learn and just kind of do life with each other for two years and um, they give you professional development money um, to do what you want with it um, each year. And the only caveat is that you, one year you have to go to the NCAA convention and one year you go to Emerging Leaders Seminar, which the NCAA um, puts out. And it was the best time of my life. I think I had so much fun and I really enjoyed being able to not only work at the school and do all this, uh, learn in all these different departments, but also get to utilize that professional development money to just go shadow people at different schools and you can use it to do your further your education you can do so much with it so it's great um but that's where I kind of learned that I really liked that I can put my graphic design work video work any of that creative work and put it with the communications um and help out help get student athletes and coaches and athletic department story out there. I didn't realize that's what sports information was. I thought sports information was just the stats and I knew I did not want to do that. So, <laughs> it's uh, just kind of like a little thing you have to do, right? Yeah. I was like, uh, no, I do not want to just do stats. Sorry. That's not me. <laughs> but when I saw that it's a lot more, or at least it's beginning to be a lot more. Um, I really like that. Um, yeah, so talk about this creative process for you. I mean, obviously, where you're at now, uh, you kind of have at KU, I know for a fact, you guys have people that do some creative things for you. But what is your the freedom been like with creative things now? Um, maybe even at previous stops to where you're at? Uh, how do you if even if you can't do any creative stuff now? How do you get your fix? Yeah, um, so our department is kind of split is it's kind of together with creative so our department's communications and creative and uh i feel like one of the things that at least helped me out to get the job is that i knew how to function in photoshop i knew my way around it i knew how to uh, create graphics if we're in the pinch i can be able to create my own graphics um how i get my fix is that uh, maybe I'm not creating, but I'm helping in the process of creating those uh, graphics where uh, I try to be somewhat of a creative director in that sense of trying to create uh, an identity for the different sports that I uh, cover. Um, so, the, and then I also run the social media uh, platforms for each of those um, those sports so I may not be like literally on Photoshop making the actual graphics or anything which is it's fine like I'm I'm good with that because um, that takes a lot of uh, like leaves me with a lot more room to do other stuff that is pertinent to my uh, job as well but being able to be a part of a group of people who um, gets to ideate and put things together and what and seeing the outcome on Twitter or seeing the outcome on our media guides or things like that. So it's not necessarily being the one that creates, but being a part of cre a creative team um, helps me get that fixed. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And it also is teaching me that you don't always have to be the one that creates the outcome to to be a creative. Um, You can also be a creative by direction or by just being a part of a team that's making that brand or helping that identity up under a umbrella of a brand. Um, but I get my fix some, like I'll, I'll create some graphics if I need a really quick graphic or anything like that and mm-hmm. get it through their approval pro- process or, um, go to practice to take photos, uh, get video clips and send it up to rock jog video and be like, Hey, can you create something with these clips that I got? Or, um, but I really enjoy just being a, a part of a creative team and just helping out in that sense. Um, and the team that, that I work with uh, for women's basketball is great. So um, the stuff that we get to put out every day, I love it. Awesome. Is it, was it kind of a hard adjustment for you? Cause I know for some people out there, they maybe even like me to where like, I like making my own stuff. Like that's, that's one thing I really enjoy about this job as well. Um, I'm working on a few football things now, but uh, what if somebody like me were into a department where that's where they did a lot of it. And that's where the, some of the enjoyment came from of working in, in communications. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think? You'd, how would they think that they would adjust to going into a new department to where they don't necessarily have to do that? Is it that kind of letting go or is that, or do you think that still being involved in the creative team will, will still help them in some way? Yeah, I think, like, before you even get to that point, you have to, like, ask yourself, um, are you okay with that? Like, for me, when I was working at the three level, I would ask um, around people that I knew that kind of went from D3 and went to D1 where they had all the help. I asked them, like, what's your advice for someone like me who wants to take that route? And they said, Mm -hmm. well, you have to be okay with, um, with, well, let me think about this. I'm trying to figure out a way, a good way to, to, to say it. Um, the advice that I got was be okay with, with doing one thing, you know, like you're not going to be, you're not going to be a jack of all trades in the sense of you're not going to be making the graphics. You're not going to be making the videos. You're not going to be doing anything. Like when you go to that level, you have to specialize that one thing and be okay to delegate all these other stuff so you can get things done. Cause there's all, there's so much. And at first when I heard that, I was like, I don't even know if I want to do that. I like <laughs> doing all the stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, I like being the, the one shot person in that sense and in, in a creative sense. But then again, I was like, oh, it'd be nice to have all the help. Like, it will be really nice. So I would just say, like, before you get to that spot, just make sure you understand that and are okay with kind of giving up that kind of control in that sense. And for me, it was okay. I was like, I'm fine with that. Like, I'm the type of person who likes to work within a team anyway. So I'm good with that. Um, it, it is hard, though, because you're trying to – you're trying to uh, relearn how to work with a group, especially on that creative side, because um, someone who is a creative, they like to make their own stuff. They like their own uh, way of doing things, but you kind of have to reteach yourself how to work within a group of people and uh, bring stuff together. And for me, my ultimate goal was to uh, be this creative director in a sense um (laughs) as my career path continues that's something that I'm interested in and uh this was a way to kind of teach myself leadership skills in that sense I I heard some advice one time to where to where you were saying about being okay with doing one thing the first thing that comes to my head kind of like you to where I was like man I don't know if I can because we've been taught as, as SIDs and maybe even like not even taught, but like been forced to learn many things uh, mm-hmm. and you have to be good at many things. Um, there is a difference between being able to do things and being good at these things. 
So um, to where I, the kind of person I am, I used to be kind of a stretch thin. I used to be super like, uh, like feeling busy was a good thing. And I understand that now that that is not, but um, when you stretch yourself too thin on these types of things to where uh, you're like, I have to be in control of the graphics. I have to be in control of the story. I have to be in control of the video. I have to be in control of whatever. that's where the saying of jack of all trades, you're master of none, because yeah. you don't have time to learn one thing. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe take that advice, not really as a, as a only be good at one thing the rest of your life, but maybe only be good at this one thing for now. And you move to another thing, get good at one more thing, get good at another thing mm-hmm. and, and still kind of cultivate, cultivate your toolbox there. But um, yeah, I think that that's an easy way that I kind of got through it a little bit when I was working in division one to where, um, I knew that I was literally going for one thing and that was to get good at digital social media to yeah. where now that that has absolutely translated to my job now to where I have to pivot my focus. And now, now I have to be good at, you know, be one, being a new SID and being good at uh, yeah. working in the university setting because, and the university communication, because that's where I've gotten roped into now. So um, I know that there are some people out there that kind of heard that and were like, no, I can, there's no way I can do that. But I'm telling you, yes, yes, there is a way that you can slow down, yeah. get good at one thing. Um, and if you want different ways to kind of checkpoint yourself or maybe even uh, make sure that you're on track, I recommend writing it down. I recommend mm-hmm. having some sort of tangible checkpoint um, to where you can, uh, get some feedback on yourself. I think that that's a good way to do it. So. For sure. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Talk about getting to KU. Uh, so you were at this division, you were at uh, another school uh, up in New York and then you, how did you get to where you were at now? I mean, what was the, was it an uphill battle to get from division three and even that to where you're at now? Or what was that like? Yeah. So uh, at the second division three school I was, was at, I mentioned that you get professional development money from this internship that I was a part of at the NCAA. Yeah. Um, so I knew that potentially I wanted to see if I can get to the highest level that I could get, um, professionally. Um, and I knew that I at least wanted the experience at a division one school just to like, see it's a challenge. It was a challenge for me. Like I mm-hmm. knew that I was, I was doing well at a small school and it was like, okay, the challenge is kind of over. I need another challenge. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start seeing if I can kind of work my way up the ladder that way. Um, and I did ask for people's advice about like, what, what how do you think someone who works at a division three school, like, is there a way to get to that level? And I'm saying this because I know there might be some people out there that want to work their way up there. And I've gotten people telling me, like, it's no way you can do it. It's an uphill battle. You're never going to get to that spot. And it was for me, it was like, okay, bet. Like, you're going to tell me that I'm going to I'm going to try my hardest to do that now. I'm the same way. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I got you. So I'm going to figure out a way to do it. So what I did is I utilized that that professional development money. I networked with as many people as I could to create relationships, not just as a transactional piece, but just to have genuine relationships with people. And I went to the NCAA convention. I talked to people. I participated in women leaders in sport. Um, I did MOA. I did all those things. I went to COSIDA. I talked to people. I participated in a lot of these things. And I also, so I was in New York, so the Ivy League conference is six hours away, but it's close enough to where I was, I just contacted the uh, uh, the communications people there, and I was like, hey, do you guys need help at your championships? Uh, I would love to help you out, um, and that's how I got my experience at championships, uh, so I worked at the or I helped out at the Ivy Madness, their basketball championships. I went to their rowing championships. I went to their Ivy Hips, their track and field championships. Uh, I drove six hours to New York City to do those things. Um, and I uh, 
I asked one of I asked the AD at uh, at Bowie, uh, an HBCU school, uh, if I could shadow him and ask him questions and uh, see how he runs his athletic department. Like I just did all those different things to to see if I would enjoy working at that level um, and just started making those connections, started to get some of those skills up under my belt without any pay, um, just volunteer work. And I mm -hmm. think that's important to say because many people might think like, you can't do some of the grunt work to get to that. And I just wanted to say like, yeah, you can and kind of invest in yourself and, and utilize your time and prioritize it that way. And also the adage of grow where you're at. Like I made sure that where I was in New York, I did, I did quality work and I learned as much as I can for some of the best administrators, administrators, um, in this business. And I feel like I, I was able to learn from some of the best and that helped me grow. Um, and then an opportunity came to work at the University of Idaho and I applied for it and did not think I was going to get it uh, <laughs> at all. And um, was pleasantly surprised uh, that I was offered the position and uh, I went there. Um, never thought I would be in Idaho. Uh, someone who's from Atlanta, Georgia, never thought I would be in the Pacific Northwest but I found myself over there and it was great. Idaho is a beautiful, uh, beautiful state. And where I was, oh, yeah. it was nice. Uh, the Palouse is a really pretty place. Like if anyone ever gets a chance to go there, I recommend it because it is, it is nice. Um, and I got to work with a championship team in the women's basketball program. I got to work with another championship team in the tennis program and be able to be a part of um their process and again in working with some of the best coaches and best student athletes um, in that region and it was fun and I learned a lot there and uh, and how I talked about networking before that I think that's what helped me get to Kansas is networking and putting my name out there and creating relationships um, and investing in those relationships and it paid off in the sense that um, I got a call and asked if I wanted to, if I was interested and if I was, I should apply. And then the rest was history type of thing. I like to the point to where no matter where you were at, I mean, you, you had to grind your way to get to where you're at. I, I admire that. So I, I hear a lot of people when they're going to hear what you did, what you had to do, you drove six hours, you, you talked to Bowie, you talked to, the ad down there um and you did it for nothing you just volunteered mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a lot of people are going to hear that and they're going to think like i got to get something out of it there's got to be something for me well you're getting some stuff out of it because you're playing in the long game i think that what a lot of people do is they kind of pigeonhole themselves and their minds in a sense to where they're trying to get immediate gratification which i understand because the society that we're in and, and i mean hell um, I can get on my one of my food apps right now and food could be at my door in 20 minutes. That's immediate gratification. What you guys have got to be able to do is see the, the longer game and maybe even have some sort of plan to get there. Um, that being said, uh, investing in yourself is not going to be not going to be free. You paid for your own gas to get to New York. Uh, you took time out of your day to, to be able to shadow the ADA buoy. Um, while they might not be, well, I say six hours of gas is probably a lot of money, but though that might, be, might not be completely monetary, it does take a lot of your time. I just finished a book called uh, The War of Art, not to be confused with The Art of War okay. by Stephen Pressfield. <laughs> and it's a short book. It's a little itty bitty read. Uh, I, I recommend it. Um, he talks about kind of the resistance factor in everybody's heads and resistance doesn't discriminate. It's always going to be in your head. And it's going to tell you. Uh, not to do something. It's it's that thing to where it's best described as you have to write a recap and you don't want to do it really bad. That's resistance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, one chapter talked about fear and it talked about uh, a lot of people kind of with hold back on their lives and, and they get sick from not being able to do the things that they don't, that they want to do out, out of fear. Um, 
the people that told you uh, there's no way you can get D3 to D1, those are the fear people. That's resistance mm-hmm. in them talking and, that, and they're, they can come back from it, but right now they're completely gone. So um, the fear comes from monetary, throwing away your education, throwing away your education. In that sense, it comes from leaving your family for a little bit. It comes from all that. And that's something that I'm going to try my best. I don't know if a lot of people listening to this, when they hear your route and the the things that you did, might think the same thing to where you're going to have to risk a little bit more than you're comfortable with. But Mm -hmm. while it might suck up some money in the long game, it might take up some time with your, your family here now, it's going to help you way down the road. So just a little yeah, it, thing I wanted to say there. Yeah. And it, and it too, it wasn't just the sacrifice of money as well. It was, and like you said, it was a sacrifice of me being comfortable. Like mm-hmm. the two places that I moved to Houghton, New York and Moscow, Idaho culturally was not a place that I wanted to be, to be honest. Yeah. Like if I were completely honest, I did not want to be there in that sense. But the opportunity lent itself that I, I knew that I can learn from there. And I did sacrifice me being comfortable uh, where I was in Chattanooga, which is a pretty diverse place. Uh, it's not far from where I lived in Georgia, being in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and then moving to two predominantly white spaces was really difficult for me. I had a really mm-hmm. difficult time mentally there being so isolated from just who I was intrinsically as like as a person like and I learned a lot too in that sense I learned a lot about me uh I learned a lot about what I want in the future um and some of the non-negotiables that I will when I have that stability and and ability to do what that what those non-negotiables are as I further in my career path but I did give that up and I gave that up for, like you said, the long game. Um, I know many people who, where I told them where I was, I was like, oh yeah, I worked at the University of Idaho. And they were like, really? <laughs> and I, was like, they were like, you, you, I was like, yeah, I did. It was like, I mean, I did it for a purpose. I did it for a reason. And mm-hmm. I knew what I was putting myself in, but I did that because it was an opportunity to it was an opportunity to, to get to my dream of, of working at a division one school. Like I wasn't going to give that up because I was going to be uncomfortable. Um, and for the most part, it was a safe space. It wasn't like I was moving to a, a place that was not safe. That's a different right. <laughs> story, but, um, I did give, give that up. And I, and, um, I just wanted to say that because I felt like that's an important part of my story is that I did like the money. Yeah, that's cool. For me, it was just the sacrifice of me being comfortable in my, like in that space and me giving up, I won't say giving up, but sacrifice, sa- sacrificing a little bit of um, my comfortability um, culturally and um, putting myself in a space where I can uh, grow and learn knowing that, um, in the future that it was going to help me. Um, so I wanted to say that because I thought I felt like that was important. No, it's fine. I think that it's, it's important for your student athletes to know that, that you did something like that too. And that no matter where they're at, even if it is somebody, let's see, I've never been to Kansas, but maybe they're a little bit uncomfortable in Kansas. Maybe they're having a, a difficulty adjusting. You can be able to relate to that too, right? Oh, definitely. Uh, and you and also remember, you can also be a person of impact in that space as well. Um, that's another aspect that I didn't realize until I was in it. Um, at at the Division Three school that I was at, I think I mentioned that I helped out with diversity and inclusion. I was mm-hmm. able to help out not necessarily just in uh, athletics with that, but the school as a whole, being able to be a part of conversations that they were trying to change within their school and and knowing that there were some uh POCs persons of color that went to a predominantly white school um seeing me um working in an athletic department they're like I finally have someone to talk to 
And, and these weren't just student athletes, you were just students, <laughs> like being able to be a part of, of their journey. And if they only saw me for one year there, that one, hopefully that one year impacted just the way that they viewed things and helped the school out. And um, when it comes to diversity and inclusion, and I thought, I didn't realize how important that was um, until I was in it, until I was able to experience it and able to listen to the stories of those students that felt out of place there um, and either feared being there or just was like, there's no one that looks like me here. Um, at first, I could have easily said, I don't want to go there. <laughs> but now yeah. I'm just like, I'm glad I went. There's a reason. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad I went because at least there's some people that that was impacted by it, and I was truly impacted by it as well. So unfortunately, we're in a time to where there's there's a lot of things going on. Um, what was it like being in back when you worked at that Division three school in New York, being in those conversations to where you were having the diversity and inclusion going on and making sure that, yes, your student athletes have somebody to come talk to. Um, how does that translate now to where there's a lot of SIDs who, who are white, um, white men, maybe even, to where they're thrusted into those conversations as well. And maybe they don't even know where to start to have those conversations, but they want to help. So um, what, how do you, what were some conversations that you had back then and maybe even some thoughts that you have now on how uh, other SIDs can help their institutions and their student athletes and their student body as a whole uh, a little bit better during this. Yeah, I mean, I think that what a lot of people have heard now about listening and just being an ear and amplifying, not centering yourself as a white male or a white female, but centering um your student athletes uh, or even friends, staff of color, um, what they're going through and, and not trying to insert yourself as uh, someone that you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know, I didn't know, things like that, but just making mm -hmm. sure you're centering their feelings and understanding like where they're coming from. And I think that's what I tried to portray is just like, just being an active listener is always mm -hmm. very helpful to do. Um, and make as SID just making sure that your communication is not white centered, if that makes sense. Um, that you're you're amplifying everyone's voice. Um, that you're you're making sure what you you're writing is not is not um, what's the word? Uh, I know what you that's mean. Not, yeah, that's not yeah. putting people in a situation that you're you're degrading or you're putting stereotypes on other folks like um making sure you're doing that and just being aware of how you're communicating things I, th I think that's the best uh way of saying that um but for me it's just amplifying people's voices uh especially right now there's people's voices that have been suppressed for way too long and the best way you can do that is not say anything and well, I won't say not say anything, but uh, letting those people uh, that have been suppressed speak be louder and using your voice to make sure that their voice are even louder. Um, yeah, I think that some people might look at their institution, maybe even their institution profile and be like, we don't really, maybe even the back of the head, they're like, maybe we don't really have a platform for that. We've got like, what, 300 followers on Twitter. How can we do this? Well, it doesn't matter how many followers you have on Twitter. You still have the platform to do it and you still have yeah. the student athletes to do it. So maybe even doing some, I don't know, some written pieces or maybe some video pieces or even some things on social media, some things on your website, anything you've got, any resources you can put out there. It just seems to me like no matter where you're at, no matter what you are, a large public university or a small Catholic university, you've, you've got a place in this to me. At yeah. Least. And that's what I mean by like using your voice. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be like your vocal, like audible voice, but like your, your, your platform, making sure you're opening your platform. And I've seen some schools do that where you just, well, a lot of schools do that where they're using their social media uh, uh, accounts to be able to lift these student athletes voice and voices and, and not doing it in just a moment, but doing it, continue to do it. Uh, mm -hmm. 
and just being aware of the resources that you have and using those resources and um, creating these committees and making sure that these committees are ongoing and not just for the moment um, that we're in right now and uh, just continuing that. And well, back when I was working uh, before KU, like this wasn't necessarily as big as it is right now. So for me, um, as I looked back at it, I would say like for your your staff of color, or your student athletes of color, like don't tokenize them in the sense of like always ask them to be on panels and things like that. Like do the work yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important thing is like everyone like do the work um, before you go to a person that that has been uh, oppressed in that sense um, before asking them all those questions. Make sure you're doing the work as well and not asking those people to do the work. Not really you. like um, delegating, you know, like getting it yeah. off the plate, not, but like being involved yeah. and something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's just fair. being involved yourself. Um, and I think that was like my main thing back then was just saying like everyone, like you have to put in the work to learn as well don't ask those people to teach you, but go out there and find that. And if you have questions, yes, ask, but don't ask in the sense of educate me, like you do the work. Gotcha. Awesome. Put in some effort here, guys. That's, that's kind of the, uh, the whole theme of this episode, I would say is put in some effort here. Um, yeah, we're bumping up against time. I told you 40 minutes for about 50 now. So (laughs) let's get some fun questions in here. How's that sound? Sounds great. Awesome. Um, in your professional tenure, what is your favorite memory? Uh, favorite memory. I'm trying to think. Uh, I've had a lot, I think. Uh, and if you've got a couple, that's fine too. Yeah, I'll say a couple. Um, one was I've never been a part of a championship team and like actually seen it, like happen and come into fruition. So last year at the University of Idaho Women's basketball won the conference championship and that was really fun to be a part of that um to 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 just take part of it and see how happy they were and how much work they put into that to do that um I thought that was really fun and I really enjoyed to see their the smiles on all of their faces um another one is with the same team um one of the players got Kosida uh all American or academic American and being able to be a part of that campaign process and to uh, put her name up for that and then to see it through and see her win it and see her get it and to see how happy she was when she got it that uh, all American academic award and uh, I've never seen someone so happy about an academic award ever (laughs) so I was like yeah a lot of them are like oh cool I got one yeah (laughs) I was like she's so excited so I was like okay this is I love this this is great so that was that was a good moment um and then another really fun moment probably was um personal person personal for me um was at Houghton when we hosted the common ground um uh common ground symposium or things like that where i don't know if anyone's heard of that but it's what the ncaa puts on for inclusion for lgbtq and christian universities and public Mm -hmm. school universities and they have like a think tank and to be a part of that i think was i wouldn't say fun it was just life-changing uh and i i got to know a lot of people and I really enjoyed being a part of the conversation and learning as much as I did. So I, I don't know if I would say fun cause, cause I mean, there were hard things about it, but it was, right, you enjoyed it still. So, yeah. And life changing. Yeah. Cool. Um, on the other side of the coin, if you have one, what's your biggest horror story? Biggest horror story. Uh, <laughs> cool. I don't think, well, okay biggest horror story it's not necessarily horror stories it's just a position that sid or even a game ops person does not ever want to be in uh so this was when i was coaching and i was also doing game ops and 
that year I was asked to do fall sports as well because, you know, basketball's in the winter, so I, I had time. Um, and this is the first time I was over or helping out with homecoming and at Covenant, like, homecoming centers around soccer, and it's a big deal. Everyone loves soccer there. It's great. It's fun. I think this was the first year that volleyball was in town for homecoming as well. So as a person that was heading up game ops, I had to do women's soccer, men's soccer, a quad match for volleyball. (laughs) And that weekend was crazy, and I was sick. I was completely out of my mind sick, but no one else could was able to do it and I wasn't contagious so I was able to do it um that first Saturday it rained it just rained and I had to figure out how to get all of the student workers down and Covenant's on a mountain so I'm looking at a mountain in Georgia so we had to drive down the mountain to go to the local school and make sure everything's good down there while at the same time a quad match was going and the quad match was an hour behind so I was already behind uh matches so I was almost a full game behind uh and I was like there's no way I can get these student workers down (laughs) the mountain in 30 minutes to a soccer game and um that day like I said I was sick and at one point I was down in the training room laying on the the training bed just like I can't do this (laughs) I can't I was like one of my assistants, I was like, you take it over. Like, you can handle this game. Uh, That was probably the worst day I can ever think of. Like, I just, I could not, I didn't, I didn't know how to handle it. And I didn't want to handle it because I I think I was just too weak in the sense that I was sick. And I just Mm. laid in the dark, was like telling the assistant, like, just don't come in here unless like someone's dying or something like that. If, yeah. like, some, if I have to really be out there um, and it all worked out though. I'm all saying it like hyping it up. Like it didn't work out. We were able to get the students down um, the mountain to the game and we were able to, everything ran smoothly. And one of my boss at the time was like, as long as no one knows that there's problems happening behind the scenes, like the fans and stuff, then you ran a really good event. So behind the scenes, there was fires everywhere and you put it out without anyone knowing you had a successful event. So I'm chopping that up to a successful event because no one knew until now, no one knew like all that stuff happened. (laughs) And if you're sick now, please do not come to the game. Please stay home. So, exactly. Nice this little, is pre this this is pre COVID. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously pre COVID. So, um, yeah. Uh, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Uh, video. I'm interested in being more privy to video editing and shooting sports in that sense. Uh, I you talk about being a jack of all trades, but not also not being a master of none uh I feel like I have an eye a little bit more of an eye for that and that's something that I'm trying to get more into is video outside of the office what do you do to have fun Hmm. I don't know because it's not a lot of time outside (laughs) the office right (laughs) uh honestly I don't I like to do nothing if it's Anything that has to do with not, like, exercising my mind to the fact that I just, like, it has to be mundane, like, anything. Like, for me, basketball is easy for me. I know basketball. I know how to play it. So if I'm playing basketball, I can do that. I like anything that has to do with uh, um, exercise. Um, Back when I was living in Chattanooga, every, like, Thursday during the summer, we did the Ultimate Frisbee. Went to the park and played Ultimate Frisbee. Like, anything that has to do with that, I feel like that's mindless for me, like, actually playing sports. So, Mm. something that's a little bit more mindless and I don't have to think is that. And if it has to do with food as well, I like doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of that, uh, what's next time somebody's in the Lawrence, Kansas area, what's your restaurant bar recommendation? Uh, Okay, this is a chain. Well, a chain here. I know people don't like that, but I don't care. Um, I like Hawaiian Bros. Hawaiian Bros here it's delicious it's one of my i go there a lot um and <laughs> uh so that's a chain that 
is lo- a local chain that I think was a pretty good spot. And then if you like authentic Mexican street talk- tacos, this place called Mama Tamale Shop in downtown Lawrence, especially on Saturdays because it's $2 tacos, um, it's the best place to hit up, I think, people should go to. If anybody want to have any questions for you, maybe want to follow up with you, would be the best way to do it. Uh, probably follow me on Twitter because I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Kiara Talia. So probably cool. DM me or at me or however you want to do it. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on. We all really do appreciate it again. Thank you. Thank you for having me.